If you're interested in how to build a professional practice, I've got the perfect show for you today. This session, I'm interviewing my friend and attorney from Fairfax, Virginia, Doug Kay. Doug was born and raised in Fairfax, and he attended Virginia Tech and California Western School of Law. Upon graduation in 1992, he served on active duty as a U.S. Navy judge advocate. He then came home and worked as an assistant Commonwealth's attorney for Fairfax County. After that, Doug worked at a large firm focusing on complex civil litigation and then was a partner at a small firm in Tyson's Corners, Virginia, where he focused on civil litigation and criminal defense. Doug is now a principal and shareholder in the law firm Offit Kerman. He focuses his practice on commercial litigation. Within Offit Kerman, Doug is a practice group director responsible for the management of four practice groups, which include in their ranks over 70 lawyers in seven different states. Doug also serves on the firm's conflicts committee, is a regional recruiting leader, and is on the board of Offit Kerman's charitable foundation. Doug is active in many different bar associations. He was the past president of the Fairfax Bar Association, and he's the chair of the Fairfax County Police Civilian Review Panel, which provides civilian oversight for the largest police department in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Today, for our How I Built My Book of Business segment, please join me in welcoming Mr. Doug Kay to the show. Welcome, Doug Kay, to the show. Thanks for joining us. Let's get started. Tell people a little bit about where you are right now and what you're currently doing. Sure. So I'm a, a principal at Offit Kerman, and um, I am a do primarily commercial litigation is my my focus. Uh, that's what I do um, for my clients in court. I go and I argue principally contract disputes between you know parties. Some of them are very sophisticated. Some of them less so. Okay, and you you got into being a litigator. Unlike a lot of other people, you were a litigator right from the start, really, right? What did you do? What did you do in the JAG Corps? Because I mentioned in the intro that you were part of the Judge Advocate uh, General's Office in uh, in the Navy, right? So, what yes. did you do? What did you do in the JAG Corps? How did how did how did that, how did that work? Yeah, so the the JAG Corps I saw as a really good opportunity to get. Um, a lot of trial experience quickly. Um, so, um, and, and in fact, I did. I mean, right away, the, the, the biggest thing that, the best thing that they did for us is they gave us like a, like a eight week long trial advocacy course with um, very experienced trial advocates on both sides. And, and, um, and then I was immediately put out of the fleet and I represented um, criminal defendants. And then I was a prosecutor and I prosecuted serious cases um, the, the beauty of being in the Navy is that uh, you're given a lot of responsibility very early. Uh, so, for example, my job, my duty station was Naval Air Station Whidbey Island, which is an island in Washington State in the Puget Sound. And um, there's a little air station there, and there was one prosecutor, and there was one defense attorney. And no matter what the case that came in, that's the case you got. So, if it was a petty larceny, you did a petty larceny. If it was an unauthorized absence, which is like being late for work in the civilian sector, or if it was a murder case, that's the case that you got. And 
And when, so when you're thrown into something like that, how do you, how do you, I mean, you have to learn quickly. And in some cases, these people's reputation and maybe even their, you know, their time in the, in the service is going to come to an end if you don't do a good job. How do you, how do you get up to speed quickly? Is there any kind of training? Like, what do they do other than that trial advocacy course? Do they say, yeah. okay, you know, learn, learn the law. Good luck. You know, I, I mean, I would just say that there's no substitute for um, on-the-job training. Um, and so, you know, you get in there and you just try cases. Um, and a lot of the cases that we were doing were not only in courts martial, but what we call administrative boards. So um, at the time I was in, the Navy was drawing down. We were sort of following, you know, uh, benefiting from the fall of the Berlin Wall. We were going from an 800-ship Navy to a 500-ship Navy. And so they were throwing people out for, for all sorts of things, but, uh, you know, principally uh, marijuana charges or other drug charges and other, you know, just being a bad sailor will get you kicked out of the Navy back then. And um, so there were, there were frequently administrative boards, which is like a trial in front of a mini trial in front of a three judge panel. And the three judges are three junior officers who, you know, listen to the, you know, you try to um, persuade them that Seaman Schmuckatelli is going to actually make a rebound. He's going to make a re rebound. He's going to be, you just wait. He's going to be one squared away sailor. Uh, just give him one more chance. And so that, that whole experience of jumping in with both feet and having to try any kind of case that came your way, how does that, how, how did that set you up for success from a, from a career standpoint? Um, yeah, so uh, my, my next job after the Navy, I, I was a prosecutor my last year in the Navy. I was a, a three-year active duty stint, and I loved being a prosecutor. I mean, it just was something that uh, suited me. I, I felt like I was um, making a difference, and so I wanted to keep doing that. So I went up to my, back to my hometown, which is Fairfax, Virginia, where I was born and raised, and my Navy experience helped me get that job because the, the head prosecutor was a... Um, um, was a uh, Marine, Marine Corps reservist. He was a colonel in the Marine Corps. And even though I was a, a, a squid to him, I was at least in the service, which no one else that he was interviewing was. And so I got the job. And, and that, that job had even, was even, um, if you can imagine, even more, uh, there was even more work, more trials. I did like 75 jury trials in about two and a half years um, of all sorts, you know, all the way from, from murder cases down to minor cases. But um, I tried a lot of cases there. And, and that was a great jumping off point because um, Fairfax County, Virginia is the most, um, is the busiest jurisdiction in the entire Commonwealth of Virginia. Um, it's also has a very sophisticated bench. There are lots and lots of complicated cases that are tried there. And I was in, in front of the 15 judges of the circuit court um, every day. Uh, they knew me by my first name. Um, and uh, I had lots of opportunities to, um, you know, try difficult, challenging cases and also to, um, you know, do justice when it was appropriate to, you know, point out where I didn't have a case that I could prove to let people um, off the hook and maybe they were innocent, but I certainly knew that I couldn't prove their case. And so I would let people off and that gave me a chance to build credibility, um, in that bench that they, whatever I said, they could take it to the bank. 
And the combination of building a reputation as somebody who is, a, you know, a, a vigorous trial advocate, and I take I pride myself on that. Um, but I also pride myself on being honest um, and somebody with integrity. And I, and I think that I was able to, um, in those three years, I was a prosecutor, uh, cement that reputation. Um, not, I don't think you can't really cement it when you're, you know, 32 years old or whatever, but you can certainly build a, a deep foundation. And I felt like I was able to do it. All right. So what made you make the shift then from uh, being a prosecutor to going into private practice and uh, doing civil litigation? So for me, what I what I found that I enjoyed the most, what, what kind of cases I enjoyed the most were the most complicated. And so, for example, um, I tried um, a shaken baby case as a, as a prosecutor. And those are cases where, um, you know, a, 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 a a caretaker will lose their temper with a child and um, shake them. And it causes, it leaves behind certain um, um, tags or badges of, of this particular type of, um, of crime. There's retinal hemorrhaging and, and there was lots of uh, expert testimony that went with it. The cases were complicated. The most complicated cases that were tried in the criminal context, I would say, are those kinds of cases. And so I found that's what I liked. And I looked around for the most complicated type of litigation that I could find. And that's how I sort of uh, seized upon commercial litigation, which is I think the greatest challenge of any type of case to to try in a court. Um, The lawyers are super, super smart. Uh, The clients are even smarter than the lawyers, which makes it almost impossible to cross-examine them uh, uh, well. Um, and, um, you know, the, 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 the complexities of their business, the complexities of the law, the layer upon layer of that was what, that was the challenge that I wanted. And so, um, I was able to, um, interesting story that, that one of the judges that I tried a lot of cases in front of asked me one day, are you going to be a prosecutor forever, Mr. K? And I, and I said, no, I thought about trying my hand in something different. And he said, what do you want to do? And I said, um, I think I'd like to try commercial litigation. And he said, well, you've been a, a, an excellent advocate uh, for the Commonwealth for the last three years, I've noticed. And I think you'd make a fine litigator. Give me the names of three law firms you want an interview with and I'll make it happen. And, and that was my, that was the way that I got the door open for me. And oh, uh, yeah, I went to, I got it. I interviewed with a firm, several firms, and one of the, the one that stuck was Venable. Uh, I was then Venable, Bacher, and Howard, and um, and I went to work for a, a guy named Bill Dolan, who happened to be a former partner of this judge, um, and uh, and I got my my shot. That's great. What a great story. That's awesome. Now, how did you learn how to set up a case? I mean, work it up from start to finish, and you know, take depots and everything. Did, did this guy bring you along or did you just kind of figure it out as you went? So the, 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 the steepest part of the learning curve, I would say, is just civil procedure, which was totally new to me. I'd been a lawyer for six years and I had tried all these cases um, and I didn't really know, you know, what an interrogatory was or how to propound discovery on anybody. And so I had to learn all that stuff. Um, and, and that takes a while, you know, the, the, the procedural uh, nuance of civil litigation is remarkably complicated and difficult, challenging. Um, the, the, the idea of putting together um, a, a case 
is really not very different from whether it's a complicated criminal case or a complicated commercial case. They're very similar. You, you figure out what your elements of proof are. Um, you figure out what, what facts um, that you need and, and how you're going to get those facts in front of the fact finder. Um, and, and so that, I felt like that I knew how to do. Um, it was the procedure that was, that what, what, you know, held me back, if anything, you know, early on. Um, but, you know, I was working with really, really talented, smart lawyers um, who were, you know, very honest um, and always wanted to go about um, doing things the right way. So I was in the right place when I got started. Good, good. And was there any, um, was there any transition that you had to make from, uh, you know, well, from, from JAG to being a prosecutor and then from being a prosecutor into uh, civil litigation, what was the, what was the hardest part of, you know, taking that full spectrum? Well, I, I would say that, you know, it's just a, a shocking difference from, you know, imagine one day I, I'm, a, I'm a prosecutor where I, you know, I walk into court and the clerks, you know, know who I am, the bailiff knows who I am, the, the cops know who I am, the defense attorneys know who I am, the judge knows who I am. And then I go into an office and um, I'm shown the office and I, and I go in and I take a seat and I close the door and um, and it's, you know, I had to pump out all this writing and You're I just to, like everybody else. <laughs> and I was like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I mean, it, you know, in the days were, where I thought the days were long when I was prosecuted, days are longer you know, in commercial litigation. It's a grind. Yeah. Um, and depending on what case and what point of the case it's in, it's, it's even, you know, can be a real, almost an unbearable grind at times. Um, but, you know, again, to me, it, it's the intellectual challenge of the, of the complexity of those cases that, that keeps me interested, that makes me, you know, rather than dread Monday morning on Sunday afternoon, I'm actually, my battery starts to get revved up um, as I get ready for the, the new week to start. What um, what job were you in where you had to worry about attracting clients for the first time? Where was the first place where you had to figure out, oh, geez, I got to find something to work on? Yeah, I mean, th this is one of the things that, um, really separates Offit Kerman from the rest of the, of the um, galaxy when it comes to law firms. I was probably, um, you know, seven years a lawyer. Um, I'd been, you know, six years in, in public practice and then a couple of year, year and a half into my job at Venable when I started realizing, hmm, where, where do these people get these clients, these things called clients? <laughs> um, and nobody, really nobody at Venable was, was suggesting to me to go out and look for clients. Oh, I'm um, sure they weren't. No. <laughs> yeah, they were happy to have me do the work for the partners. Um, so, uh, you know, at some point I knew that I didn't, I, I, I didn't want to stay Venable and I wanted to venture out on my own. And it was probably in the year before that, that I really started thinking about it. Um, and um, I did venture out on my own. I joined a firm. Well, I was I was with uh, I had four uh, three partners at the you know and it grew to four five partners. But um, but we were very much um, each on our own, each working on our own cases, each building our own client base. And it was really at that point that I had to figure out how to find clients. And um, and 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 I've been working on that. Uh, trying to solve that puzzle ever since. Uh, and it's a constant, constant 
effort and constantly have to try to get better at it and try, constantly have to work at it because it's not something that you can ever um, stop working at. So you've spent your whole career, actually your almost your whole life, with the exception of the time I guess you were in college and then in the service, you spent that whole time in Fairfax. What's it like to live and work in a place where you grew up? I mean, it's got to be a huge advantage because you know the lay of the land, you know everybody, and even though places change, a lot a lot of things stay the same. So you, it, it has to be really good for you to have been in the same place all those years? I think it is. Um, I think it's an advantage. I, I will say that for, for those who, who don't have uh, enjoy the same advantage that I have, namely living in the same place, I, I literally live uh, within a mile of where I grew up. Um, but for those of who don't, there, there are people who succeed every day at, at building a book. Um, but for me, you know, th there are advantages and I do run into people uh, who, you know, knew my father, for example, my father is a physician in the community um, and, and very, very you know, well-known and, and, and thankfully well-respected, which helps, you know, uh, that he wasn't a goat. Um, he was, you know, he's a good man. And, and, and you know, so, um, you know, a good example is, I mean, just on, on Sunday, I was, walking the golf course with a friend of mine who I've known since I was five years old. And he said, so what is it that you do over there? Um, and, and the challenge, I think for me, um, and you highlighted this early in the interview, um, because I'm a commercial litigator, this particular individual, you know, is hoping if not praying that he'll never be in litigation and he'll never need my skills. So the, the, the challenge for me is to parlay that question into the answer that I want to give. And I think the answer that I try to give is, well, I do commercial litigation, but my law firm really helps all sorts of people with all sorts of problems. And what I do more and more um, is I manage a client base. Um, I help my clients from all stages, all manner of transactions and protecting their assets and just solving whatever legal problem that comes along. Um, and hopefully it always stays short of litigation. And so that's been my latest um, effort is to have my people that have known me all this time, not just think of me when they get sued or when they need to sue somebody, but think of me whenever they have any legal problem and to trust that I can find the solution for them. Um, and if I can't, I'll find them a lawyer who can either at my firm or somewhere else nearby. Yeah. Well, Fairfax itself is uh, is huge, right? I mean, how many how many people live in Fairfax? It's like it's it's the biggest county in Virginia, right? So uh, how many people are in Fairfax? Yeah, it's about 1.2 million, a little yeah. bit more than 1.2 million. It's more populous than I think nine states. You know, just that one county. So it's a, you know, it's a it's a powerhouse and it's a very um, affluent place. There's lots of business here. Um, and it's, and it's got a great, you know, what I try to tell people is it's got a really, really excellent, uh, court courthouse full of really fine, uh, jurists who can judges who can help them, um, resolve their disputes. So it's a good place to go to, go to court. And that's sort of, you know, I alluded to this earlier in my interview. I mean, you know, I've known all these judges, uh, since I was a baby prosecutor, um, a lot of them have retired and, and, you know, for example, one of the, one of my first associates is now a circuit court judge. Um, so, oh, wow. I mean, so 
um, you know, I, I try to tell them is if you do have a problem that takes you to court in Fairfax, that, that um, I, I think I can help you uh, there. So when you're looking to develop business, your first stop really is kind of your own backyard because you have a connection to so many people locally and it's such a, such a big area with so many people. Talk about um, taking that position on the civilian complaints review panel and, well, you, explain to people why you did it, because you didn't do it as a business development opportunity. Uh, talk a little bit about that and what your experience was in doing that. Sure. So um, when, I was, when I was the president of the Fairfax Bar Association, um, a letter came across my desk um, from the chairman of the Board of Supervisors that they were standing up a commission to... Um, to study um, some issues that were going on in the, in the police department. And would you please appoint somebody from the Fairfax Bar Association to be on this commission? That's going to, it's going to be a commission with 35 other commissioners. And we're going to figure out, you know, if there's anything wrong with the police department, we're going to go to figure out solutions. And I, I stuck my hand up and I said, my God, this is, I'm like, uh, this is perfect. You know, you, I, you I, pulled a Dick Cheney. You were like, I, I'm the head of the search committee and I have found myself. <laughs> no, in all fairness, in all fairness, I did you know, inform the, the board and, and, and an application like every like anybody else. But um, you know, fortunately, the, the rest of the board um, thought that uh, I, I would be a good candidate. So I went on this commission and one of the 92 um, recommendations was that they stand up a civilian review panel. It's made up of nine citizens in the county. And those nine citizens review complaints made by citizens against police officers in Fairfax County. And, um, and we sit and we listen, we hear those complaints and we try to um, not only, you know, um, be sure that the complaints are, are handled properly, but also to give um, citizens of voice. And, you know, most importantly, I think, um, you know, we live in a, in a society where, where the police work for us um, and the police are, are, are made in our image. Um, in other words, we, different communities might want to be policed differently than other communities. And so um, we are a body that I think gives a voice to the community to the police department. We don't, we don't think we want you to be doing, you know, this or that. Um, and, and if they can take our recommendations or not, um, but if they don't, you know, the, the board of supervisors knows the recommendations we've made and the chief has to stand tall in front of the board of supervisors and explain themselves. And, and um, so it's, it's a, it's a nice, it's, it's been a really interesting um, journey um, being part of this. And I really feel like, um, I was in a position because of my background that I could really, this would be something that I could give back to the community because I feel like I, you know, I worked with police officers. I've, I've defended uh, people charged with crimes. Um, and I have an interest in it and, um, and I've, I've really, really enjoyed it. And I, I hope I've made a difference. So how difficult was it to translate what's going on with the law to people who have no experience with the law? So uh, by those people, you mean like the complainants? 
Uh, well, the complainants, but also other members of the commission, right? So they're they're yeah, they're okay. regular citizens, and they have to they have to sit there and make recommendations. And mm-hmm. you yeah. as a you as a lawyer are a finder of fact, and mm-hmm. you, there's a lot of emotion that goes into everything involving police work. And you have to help people understand, listen, this is the law, and if they follow the law, this is what will happen. What you're reacting to is not the application of the law. You're reacting to something that's emotional. I mean, that's a difficult thing to have to explain to people. Is um, there are other lawyers on the panel, thankfully. Um, and and um, But, you know, I, I will say that... Um, there's advantages and disadvantages to being a lawyer um, and be, being trained in the law like that. I think that um, that the non-lawyers bring a you know a, a really fresh and different viewpoint to these meetings. Um, but you know, yeah, I mean, it, it, look, it is challenging. You know, most of the complaints are are not particularly difficult to um, resolve in your own mind, but there have been some that have been extraordinarily difficult. Um, for example. You know, we had a um, we had a case involving a um, a young black uh, motorist who was pulled over by a white police officer, um, and uh, you know he complained about it and said that essentially he'd been pulled over for driving while black. And I think that you know in our society we've heard this over and over and over again, and and um, and there was a detailed, lengthy investigation into this that spilled over and crossed over after we had to deliberate on it, you know, after um, sort of the George Floyd um, situation had gone through. And I mean, it was emotional, very emotional. At least two of the um, panelists are, um, you know, African-American females with, uh, with sons and, um, you know, they bring a perspective that I can never bring. Yeah. yeah. No, that's uh, that, that, that that's a great point. I, I often tell the story, and you've heard me tell it a million times, probably of going to get a haircut while in Baltimore, working with your firm. And I walked from uh, the Marriott. I walked like five or six blocks into what I thought was Little Italy, looking for this barbershop that I had found on my phone. And... I knock on the door and a guy comes and opens the door and he looks at me, a huge African-American guy, and he says, what? And I said, I want a haircut. And he said, are you sure? And I said, yeah. He opens the door, lets me in. And there were five chairs, four of them full. Uh, every customer, every barber was African-American. Guy points me to his chair. As I'm walking in, everybody stops. And there's a guy in the first chair sitting uh, back with a towel on his face getting ready for a shave. He hears everybody stop talking, so he sits up and pulls the towel off his face and starts looking at me. And, you know, that was the moment where, and this is just a couple of years ago. I I was probably, I'm 52 now, I was probably 49 or 50 then. It's a moment when, you know, after all that time, I finally had an inkling of understanding of what it's like for an African-American kid to walk into a CVS on the Upper East Side of Manhattan, you know, or for, a, you know, an African-American lawyer to walk into court in like Westchester County, New York, in a, in a predominantly or in a predominantly white area. And it's not a feeling of being unsafe. It was a feeling of 
just, you know, extended or extra scrutiny, uh, you know, and that's, that's the kind of thing that unless you experience it or somebody can, uh, you know, people can describe it to you, but unless you experience it, you never, you never know what it's like to be in that position. And even now, I don't, I don't pretend to know what it's like. I just got a fraction of a taste of it. And it was, it was a good haircut. I had a good time. We talked about sports. It was, you know, it was great. And they told me to be careful going back to the hotel. So I was like, okay, I will. <laughs> but, um, you know, it was just, it was a, an eye-opening uh, experience for me. Uh, tell me a little bit about these days how difficult it is because you've got you've got a you know you've got significant cases you carry you have administrative responsibilities in the firm i read in your in your introduction that you have some 70 lawyers and you know in multiple offices that you're working with and because of your you know you have a you have a very easygoing good-natured personality and uh and you're you're an excellent lawyer so you have responsibility for mentoring people how do you balance all of that how does it how do you apportion your time well it's you know it's always a battle i mean um that's the one i i have a finite amount of time and i have to make sure that i prioritize my my time um it is amazing how the things with deadlines end up going up the priority list. Um, and there's really never a deadline, of course, for um, working on your marketing. Um, and so I think you need to set your own deadlines um, and, and try to stick to them. And um, I've been, you know, successful sometimes at that and less successful other times, but I aspire to be even better than I am. Um, but it is a challenge. And I, and I, I would say that, um, um, the longer that I practice law, um, the less time it takes me to do certain things. So, um, and I also have people that, that do some of the things that I don't like to do anymore. Um, I'll say that as well, but, but, it, but it's a challenge and I, and I do the best I can, um, you know, and some, sometimes you have to burn the midnight oil to get it done. That's all there is to it. And as far as as far as business development goes, what are you uh, what are you doing these days to grow your to grow your book of business? How do you you know how do you attract new clients? How do you make sure you stay in touch and deep in relationships? What are you doing? So the, the thing that I, that I find works um, best for me is um, making you know making relationships with people. So um, I, I have a hard time like getting much out of superficial big group um, meetings. It's something that, um, that, that I've never really enjoyed going to, um, but I have strategy now. Uh, and my strategy is I go in and I find somebody, uh, I just talk to the, you know, somebody that looks interesting or somebody that isn't near me. And I'll find out whether that person seems interesting and interested in me. And I'll just talk to that person. Uh, it, you know, it might be 15 minutes, but it might be an hour and a half um, because I feel like it, it's sort of one relationship at a time is what um, is what works for me. Um, in other words, make a, a lasting impression on one individual at a time. And hopefully that person will think of me when um, either they, they or their friend or their family have a, a problem that a legal problem that needs solving. And hopefully they've I've uh, given them the right message that I'm not just a commercial litigator, that I'm a, a, a partner in a firm with lots of people who can solve lots of problems. We have lots of tools in our belt that we can help people with. Um, so 
so um, at your uh, advice, Dave, one of the things that I did was I set up a little um, power group, um, I'll call it, in um, at my country club where I play golf. Um, and I found a, a, a guy who runs a small business, happens to be a, a mover, and we recruited a banker and a CPA um, and, an, and I, uh, a guy who runs a bunch of commercial buildings and a guy who has his own IT business. And we call it the uh, CCF, which is Country Club of Fairfax Business Roundtable. So it's CCFBR, and, um, and we meet once a month, um, and we meet for, for dinner um, and a cocktail or two, and we sit around and we just talk, you know, and somebody will talk about business every time. There's always some conversation that comes up. Um, and, and that's been, I already have um, been referred a, a couple of really um, interesting matters out of that group and for doing nothing more than doing the things I would do normally. But, you know, when we have that meeting, you know, we're thinking a little bit differently than we think normally, right? We're thinking about um, all of our businesses and all of our, you know, supporting all of our families and um, how can we each help each other. And people want to do that. I mean, it, it, most people that if you, if you put your, your power group together, right, um, everybody wants to, it feels great to help somebody. I think uh, most people feel that way. And, and, and people get just as much satisfaction out of helping somebody else get a new client or a new um, customer than, than they do about getting one. Um, and so that's one of the things that I'm doing to, to find um, more work. And then the, the effort in terms of the second part of your question is the one that I haven't been as good at. I don't think, I think the early, I really, my New Year's resolution is to improve my, uh, my efforts to stay in front of the network that I've built. You know, I just, I've got to make it a, a, a bigger priority to um, stay top of mind of, with people. Uh, I don't want to be annoying or anything like that, but I, but I want to be top of mind. And so I'm going to, um, you've already seen my, um, my draft uh, um, uh, sort of, I, I think it's going to be monthly or maybe bi-monthly, um, bi-weekly, every two weeks, whatever that one is. Um, <laughs> that's how that's going to be the frequency I'm going to shoot for. I think once a week sounds like too much for me, at least initially. Mm-hmm. Uh, I may I may grow to it. Um, I'm also worried about the time commitment of doing the writing, but I, I'm not too worried about that. Um, but those are the the two big things. So for me, it's you know building, increasing the number of relationships I have, and then just trying to stay on top, stay top of mind with the relationships uh, for the people that I already have made relationships with. You know, one of the the key things that I think gets overlooked in what you're doing with your power team group is that the the selection of the people in the group. You uh, well, tell tell folks how you picked the people you wanted to be in your group. You didn't just pick your best friends. How did like yeah. the mover is a brilliant choice because he knows everything that's going on. So, how did you pick your group? Yeah, I mean, so that was the first guy I started with, um, and he's, you know, he's somebody who's active in one of those B and I groups, um, and so I know, and he invites me every year to his um, once a year they have to do their um, their big project, their big fifteen minute thing, and so I, I knew he was part of that, and so I approached him first, and he's very very well liked, um, 
um, and very engaging and very disarming um, and funny and just fun to be around. I mean, you know, I'd go spend time with him even if he wasn't any good at business. And um, but but he is good. His business is strong. Um, and I sat with him and we talked about it over lunch. And then we invited two other people. We agreed, we, we debated for an hour who the first next two we were going to invite. And we decided on Joe the banker, um, who's got this, he's a great big guy with this big Italian personality and um, just a lot of fun. And he is very dialed in. Um, I mean, just he's very dialed in the community. And we invited a guy who has a, his own um, agency. It's actually an insurance agency. I'm, I'm wrong. We're looking for a CPA. We don't have one of those yet. Um, and so then we had four and then we went to lunch with those four, got them into it. And then we picked two more and then we had six, um, and we've grown it, I think to eight and right about when we got started, COVID hit. So we did our first three or four meetings on zoom, uh, before we ever got to actually be physically together. Now we see each other from time to time, but like I said, the, the, the beauty of this thing is that when we're with this group, um, you know, sort of nor normally when you're at the, when I'm at the club, I try not to talk about business ge generally. Um, but with this group, we, it's sort of known that that's what you do. Um, and it's an appropriate place to do it. And so now people are like trying to get in it. That's the neat thing. There's a buzz, you know, people have heard about it and they, they see us thing together and sometimes they'll sit and join us. And, and, uh, we have to kind of, you know, um, regulate who comes and we want to keep it at a certain size and of a certain composition. And, um, and so it's been fun. Uh, it's been fun to build. And I appreciate that idea, Dave. It was, a, well, it, was a, it only, it only works if you have the personality that you have and the personality that, uh, you know, the, of the people that you're bringing in, this is, you know, it strikes me that with a group like this, it's a lot like, um, making money in real estate right? You don't, you don't make money when you sell the property, you make money when you buy it, right? Because if you buy it right, you're, you don't have too much of a mortgage, you're, you're able to carry it. And with this, it's the same thing. You make the group great when you decide who you're going to bring in based on what they can do, right? So you've made the right choices with the people in the group. And it sounds like you're, you guys are all on the same page with that. So many, so many times we try to do something like this and we invite our buddies and we end up just hanging around and talking and laughing about stuff and no business happens as a result. Yeah. But you guys had the right mindset right from the start. All right. So moving forward in uh, 2021, because as we uh, this is so this interview is going to come out in the first week of 2021. What are your what are your priorities from a business development standpoint as we go into the new year? And then we're going to have you back at the end of the year and you're going to talk about how you blew them away. So what are your what are your business development priorities as we head into 2021? Well, so there um, I've sort of given you one of the legs of the stool, which is, uh, you know, to be um, in more close and and constant contact with. Um, with my network. Um, one of the other priorities that I have um, is to um, be a little bit more leery about um, my, uh, when I sell my services to be sure that I'm, that I've hired the right, that the right clients have hired me or you know, put it another way that I've, I've brought the right people into the firm. 
And by that, I mean people who are good credit risks, people who are going to pay their bills. Um, you know, it, it, some of you, it won't be a surprise, but others of you might be surprised to know that sometimes clients don't pay. Um, and it's, it's no fun to work for free. And, and I'm, I'm, I am uh, determined this year to not do any of that. And I think um, those, are, those are two legs of the stool. And the, and the third is, um, so I've told you about sort of the CCFBR, um, which is a new initiative for me because it takes me into trying to find um, clients and referral sources through the business community, which is a little new to me. Um, when, I, when I first started trying to build a book, it, I primarily got my work from other attorneys. Um, and I still find that most of my work comes from other attorneys. So I don't want to leave. I don't want to let those efforts. Um, I, wanna, I don't want to diminish those efforts. I want to continue at the same level I was before with my attorney referrals. So I'm, I'm trying to decide how I'm going to get more active in the, in the bar association. I've, I've, I've sort of my, my life uh, or my um, career, in the local bar is sort of at, at a natural end. Um, I'm going to be cycling off this civilian review panel soon. Um, I I'm, I'm think that I want to get more active in more of a statewide bar. So I haven't figured out exactly what I'm going to do. I'm on a, the finance committee for the state bar. I'm still on bar council, which is like the sort of the board of directors for the state bar. It's an elected post, but I my my term ends soon. And so I'm either going to try to find something in the obligatory, the mandatory state bar, or maybe the state bar, so one of the bar associations that's more statewide, and try to meet and, and make uh, new um, and, and uh, more contacts um, in the legal community, because I still think that's valuable. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think that's I think that's a great opportunity. So you'll have your ties to the business community. And then in addition to that, you'll have referral sources, evangelists in the legal community who will... Uh, who will continue to send you business and you have deep roots in the local community. So hopefully everybody knows to call you for any legal need and you can connect them with just about any type of attorney. You know, I'm thinking about it now. Offit Kerman focuses on privately held companies and families of wealth. And you guys have just about every practice area covered with the exception of maybe like criminal defense um, I mean, you can, I'm sure, provide great referrals outside of the firm to people who have criminal defense issues. But other than that, I can't, I can't think of any, uh, you know, any practice area off the top of my head where you wouldn't have somebody in-house who can handle it from, you know, really uh, quirky real estate stuff in D.C. to, you know, a family law case in Charlotte to a bankruptcy issue in New York or Philadelphia I mean, you guys have, um, you have, you have all of those aspects covered. So as long as people come to you with a legal need, you should be, you should be well situated to, you should be well suited to, to handle it. What is, you know, and this is, uh, this is the, the last thing I'm going to ask you. I, I think it's a good thing to close on because who knows, you know, it could be some kid just graduating from law school who's going to listen to the, listen to this and, and think to himself or herself, Hey, listen, this guy worked at Venable and then he worked at a small firm and now he works at uh, a really, you know, a medium-sized firm. But I would say a really, the, the firm that you're at now, Offit Kerman, is a really nice-sized firm because it's not too big where it has mm -hmm. unwieldy overhead. What is it, what are the differences between working at a massive firm like Venable, big law, 
to working at, you know, a really nice medium-sized firm where if you wanted to, you could know everybody who worked there? Yeah, I, I would say, um, I, I mean, I remember when I was in Venable in 2000 um, that I heard, you know, I wasn't trying to open matters, but I had heard that it, that you literally couldn't open a matter unless it, the revenue um, that they were anticipated bringing in was going to be $150,000 or more. And um, so where, we, where we're different at Offit Kerman is that we, uh, you know, we say we, we want to service small businesses um, and individuals who run those small businesses. And we mean it. We mean it. I mean, we mean it even if it's a small business that like is a restaurant, you know, that might have, um, you know, small problems because those people may, you know, open a chain someday. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and so we represent, we can, we're nimble. We can represent people, um, who are the little guy, um, who has a small problem. Um, and I mean, if, if I'm a, a, a younger attorney, um, or somebody who hasn't been practicing as long, or I'm starting to try to build my book, um, that is an incredible advantage. Um, and you have a firm that, that believes in and um, in this origination culture that they want all, all of the attorneys to be trying to originate. And that was just simply not the case at big law at all. Um, yeah. that, that in fact, that's quite the contrary, quite frankly. All right. So you do some, uh, you do some recruiting for Offit Kerman. Anybody out there who is interested in learning more about the firm, or if you happen to have a, a commercial uh, litigation matter in any place in Virginia or DC or Maryland, Doug is the guy to call. Doug, what's the best way for people to reach you? Um, call me at my office, 703-745-1810. Um, and I'm in Tyson's Corner, Virginia. All right. So Doug K has been our guest today. You can reach out to Doug in uh, the, the law firm of Offit Kerman in Tyson's Corner, Virginia. He just gave you his uh, his office number. Doug, give it to us again one more time. 703-745-1810. And we'll also put Doug's uh, all of Doug's contact information and a link to his page on the website in the show notes. This is the Inside BS Show, where we take you inside all the business secrets. Today, we gave you a glimpse into the career of a highly successful litigator at the law firm of Offit Kerman, my friend Doug Kay. Doug, thanks so much for joining us. Until tomorrow, we will, well, we'll see you right back here tomorrow. Until then, here's hoping you make a great living and live a great life.